Thanks for checking out this sermon at New Beginnings. As a church, we exist to become an authentic, biblical community. That transforms our city and impacts the world. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to make you aware of a few things before we begin. First, we would love to connect with you on our website. NBBCTX.org. There you can find more information about who we are. Additional resources and links to our social media network. As well as an opportunity to give. To what God is doing in and through our church. We hope you enjoy this message. I'd like to finish up our sermon series, the Let Me Explain uh, apologetic that we have been uh, in these last several weeks. If you're a guest with us today, man, welcome. We're a dysfunctional family, okay? Uh, and uh, now we're going to enter into the sad part of the service, all right? Uh, my preaching. Um, <clears throat> Let me explain today, if I can, uh, why I believe in evangelism. Um, it is important that when we talk about uh, our faith, that we talk about the um, need that all of us have to share that faith. And, you know, last week you probably remember uh, that we talked about um, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are now citizens of the kingdom of God, right? So we've been transferred from the domain, that's a citizenship or a kingdom uh, of darkness, and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in whom we have uh, redemption, that is the forgiveness of sins. And so now you and I are now citizens of the kingdom of God, and as such, we have a devotion or an allegiance to a king. And Ours is King Jesus. This is why you and I hold to kingdom values. This is why you and I stand upon kingdom ethics. And this is why you and I pursue a kingdom agenda. But if we're being honest, there are times when as we seek out what is the kingdom of God in our lives, um, that there is uh, some confusion as to how that is supposed to work um, in the ins and outs of every day. And this is nothing unusual or new to us, but rather this was a dilemma uh, that is addressed even in our, uh, our Bibles as we're going uh, to see today. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now that's where we'll begin reading uh, today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse number 14. And as you're turning uh, to 2 Corinthians, you should know that the Apostle Paul is the author of this letter to the church at Corinth. And in Corinth, uh, the brothers and sisters in the local church were trying to navigate uh, how to engage their culture, but to do so from the conviction that they have as followers of Jesus Christ. So as citizens now of the kingdom, uh, these brothers and sisters in a uh, terribly uncommitted and, and, uh, and wavering culture at large, these Christians are trying to discover what it looks like to live out their faith in light of that. Well, where do we find ourselves? We find ourselves in a, wave, in a culture that is moving and, 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 and jostling and ebbing and flowing all of the time with regard to conviction, and you and I are called as as citizens of the kingdom of God, to engage that culture, but to do so um, with a conviction and an understanding as to why. And so this is what Paul writes to encourage the church then. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse number 14. If you're there, say, I got it. God's word says this. 
For the love of Christ controls us. If you mark or highlight in your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to circle that word controls. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I want to share with you what I believe are three simple things that the Apostle Paul talks about in regards to you and I as citizens of the kingdom of God living this out in a culture that is maneuvering itself back and forth between what it holds as conviction for our life. The first thing is this, the kingdom of God changes our motivation. The kingdom of God changes our motivation. The reason I asked you to circle that word control is because Paul speaks about the love of Christ as being that thing which controls us. It's the idea that we are not our own, but rather that we belong to God and as citizens of his kingdom, everything about us has changed. This is most especially true, or at least it should be, of our motivation. And motivation is a powerful thing, isn't it? So my wife Mary is a pre-K teacher, and in her classroom, uh, she has a a large bowl or a vase, and uh, when her students are collectively being responsible and exercising good choices and behavior, uh, she takes cotton balls and, 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 and will drop them into the vase. And when it reaches a certain point, then the class collectively is eligible for a pajama party. And these cotton balls are called warm and fuzzies because that's the feeling that she gets when the class is doing well. And so when the class acts right, the kids are motivated, they're walking straight in the line, they're catching a bubble, keeping their hands to themselves, that kind of thing. Then Mary gets a, Mrs. Bales, sorry, Mrs. Bales gets a warm and fuzzy and then they drop cotton balls in the vase. Listen, that's their motivation because they want to have a pajama party. Well, brothers and sisters, listen, if you and I are in Christ, which means we've been radically rescued from sin, we've been redeemed by the God of the universe, then our motivation is that love of God, and that's what wakes us up and gets us going every single day of our lives. It is, in fact, the love of Christ that gives us our purpose for everything we think, say, and do. How silly would it be for us to be motivated by the opinion of others or the applause of men if, in fact, it is Jesus Christ and God's love for us that has forever changed our lives? It would be like adults pursuing a pajama party when Christ is is who saved us. By the way, you'll be sad to hear that uh, pre-K-4 Mrs. Bale's class never got their pajama party this year. Okay. As followers of Christ who are now devoted to the kingdom of God, our motivation must be the love of Jesus that gets us out of bed and determines the purpose for our life. Anything less is a pajama party. And Paul says in verse 15 that those who have been made alive in Christ no longer live for themselves, but for God. So, so listen, We're not living our life for us. We're living our life for the God who's given it to us. In other words, if Jesus has saved you, then he's changing you. And the motivations of your life should reflect that. Some of you, even this morning, are wondering, 
why I would move or uproot my family or go to a less familiar ministry context? And here's the answer. Because I'm motivated by Christ and his love for me. What Jesus says, I desire to do. Where Jesus says, I desire to go, period. If Jesus says jump, we say? Or at least we should. Or at least we should. Paul keeps going. Look at what he says in verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So listen, the kingdom of God changes our motivation and the kingdom of God gives us our message. Listen to the message that Paul declares. If anyone is in Christ, they are new. Listen, church, it's important that we understand the distinctive here. We're not made better. In Christ, we're made new. Uh, uh, My grandmother made a quilt a long time ago. And most quilts are really pretty because they have fabric that is of a similar size and shape. And then whoever's quilting can put it together and it looks really uh, pretty as, as, as a quilt. But my, my grandmother made one. I don't know where she got the fabric from. And I can tell you it wasn't all in the same shape or size. And so it was super comfortable but terribly ugly. Listen, so is religion. You know Why? Because religion is a spiritual patchwork. It is attempting to solve this area of your life or this issue at your job or this issue in a relationship or this shortcoming that you know you have. That's all religion does is it patchwork. But listen, the gospel is different because it's not saying I've come so that you might be better. Jesus has declared I've come so that you might be brand new. So how many of us are settling for patchwork when God says, no, I've come so that you might be new? This is fundamentally what Paul says our message is. If anyone is in Christ, he's new. In fact, there's two little things we should think about. The first is the who. In, In verse 17, the Bible says anyone is new. The old is gone, the new has come. I don't think it should ever be lost on us, family. That the message of salvation, the message of the kingdom, the very words of God declare that anyone who is in Christ is made new. Anyone. So listen, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or look up here at me. What's been done to you? If you are in Christ, you're not better, you're new. Made new. This is why Romans 10, 9 and 10 would say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens? You're saved. You're sa- your life is changed. Radically rescued and redeemed. This is the who. Anyone. So the message of the gospel is clear. Whoever, whenever, however, you are made new in Jesus Christ. And this is what's been entrusted to us. The second is the what. In verses 18 and 19, the Bible says that God reconciled us and has given us, as that reconciled, the ministry or message of reconciliation. So our kingdom message that has been entrusted to us is a simple one. It is be reconciled to God. 
We're called and in Christ equipped to share a reconciliation message with a watching world around us. I'm raising a 15-year-old daughter. I'm learning teenage vernacular all the time. One of the new phrases that I have just learned is called spilling the tea. <laughs> Why are we giggling, okay? So spilling the tea, if you are over the age of 20, uh, is a phrase that is used to express uh, gossip or I've got the scoop, okay? So if you're saying, hey, come over here, I got, I'm going to spill the tea. I, that means you, I got like news to share. I got a scoop to give, okay? And, uh, and so brothers and sisters, here's what I would tell you. If you're in Christ, you've been called to spill the tea. But it's yours to share. So what it should look like is your story. How has God shown up in your life and changed you? So for example, here's what I would say if I was spilling the tea about what God has done in me. When I was uh, in college, I was in rebellion and at the same time juggling that with religion. And so I would operate one way in one uh, group of friends or around one audience of people and operate another way around a different group of friends or in front of a different audience of people. And so I had figured out what it looked like to not really have a relationship with Jesus, but to appear as though I did. And that happened until uh, 1998 when that summer I was invited to go work on a cattle ranch in Salida, Colorado. And the owner of that ranch was hiring college guys for the purposes of discipleship and helping them grow in their relationship with the Lord. He challenged me very pointedly in a conversation early one morning, made me mad. I stormed out of his kitchen and went out to the pasture to begin my work for the day, only to be confronted by the very God that he said I did not know, whereby I cried out and asked God to forgive me of my sin, and I was saved July 29th, 1998, and I have never been been the same since. I'm spilling the tea. And I'm starting by telling you what God did in me. This is the message that has been entrusted to us. It's the kingdom message that God has given to you and to me, and everybody's got one. So, so listen, think about all the silly things we're willing to share and the excitement we have around sharing it. Uh, I remember a few years ago watching an infomercial for uh, a product called Magic Clean, I believe. And uh, the guy that was on the infomercial that was selling it looked like he was about 47 Red Bulls in when they began to film. <laughs> and, uh, and so he was, he was hyped to tell you about Magic Clean. And it would clean the soap scum off your shower. It would clean the rust off your car. It would clean, uh, you name it, this, the, it would clean your windows if they had the uh, the, the, the film that had, had gathered on your window. I mean, he would clean and everything with it. And he was hype to tell you about Magic Clean. Well, let me just remind you. The Bible says that if you are in Christ, he has washed you white as snow. That's clean. And if this guy gets hype about Magic Clean taking care of your windows, how much more excited should you and I get to tell other people that Jesus Christ has cleaned me from the inside out from sin? He has cleaned me through his shed blood and made me, the Bible says, new because I am in Christ. And listen, this guy's selling to an audience he'll never see with people he doesn't know. You and I are sleeping down the hall. 
from family and friends that we know don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. How much more excited should we be than that? Let's look at what he says last, verses 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Then my life first. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The kingdom of God changes our motivation, gives us our message, and it sends us on mission. Now is when Paul explains the motivation and the message here in action. He talks about the work of an ambassador. An ambassador is an appointed or elected official that's job, whose job it is to represent the king of the country from which they originate. So you and I are citizens of the kingdom of God. We carry a message that is not our own, but is rather Christ's message through us. We are his royal ambassadors entrusted with his message of salvation and you think about the strength of the language that paul uses he says we implore you be reconciled to god in the original greek um, this is the strongest possible emphasis that paul could give uh, to, to the desire that he has for people to be saved he says we implore you essentially he is saying family i beg you to be reconciled to god and be saved he said i'm pleading with you nothing else could matter more than that you are reconciled to God. There is a genuine sense of urgency to the Apostle Paul's appeal. And, and here's what's fascinating. I, I, don't, I don't know if you have been watching the NBA playoffs lately, but now we know who is in the NBA finals, and we know the team that is going to lose to the Golden State Warriors. Um, <clears throat> but in the last several weeks, I've noticed on a number of different occasions uh, teams uh, that are getting to the very last few uh, moments of a quarter or a half um, or a game, but before they're deciding how it is they want to score or even if it is that they want uh, to score. And I'm always struck as a fan of basketball by what I perceive to be the arrogance of these ball players as they let the clock begin to dwindle to just the last few seconds of the game before they'll decide what it is that they're going to do. And ultimately, it leads them to a poor decision and most of the time, an inability to pull it off. Well, listen, I just I want to tell you, there are millions of people, thousands around us even now, that are living their life with a shot clock stupidity that are convincing themselves they've got time. Well, I'll take care of that later. Or, yeah, no, I, I know I need to get right with God and I will at, at some point. But brothers and sisters, the Bible says that life is a mist. It's a vapor. Listen, ask anyone who is over the age of 65 and they will tell you yesterday they were 20. And so the question is whether or not you and I are going to understand the sense of urgency the Apostle Paul seems to say that there is. Or are we going to live our lives with a shot clock stupidity, believing that we've got all the time in the world? Now, this morning, I, I'm not minimizing the sadness around the Bales family leaving. <laughs> Mary and I have been crying crocodile tears all week. 
Gospel goodbyes are hard. This transition is especially hard for all of the reasons that I shared with you earlier. But they're necessary. They're not necessary for my good or even for yours. But for the sake of the kingdom of God to which we belong and for the love of all who are perishing apart from a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is real. It is the eternal dwelling place of God for all who have placed faith in Jesus and who have been saved. And although it's not popular to say, and it doesn't get mentioned in sermons much anymore, can I love you enough to tell you that hell is real also? And it's the eternal separation from God for all who are dead in their trespasses and sins. And listen, it is the kingdom of God that changes the motivation that we have, gives us the message that we preach, and sends us on the mission to go and to share it. And here's why. Because everybody's going one place or the other. Either eternity with God or eternity separated from Him. In 1912, you guys remember when the Titanic sank, um, hit an iceberg, and that luxury liner was lost at the bottom of the sea. All of the family and the friends of those who were on board that couldn't determine or discover the fate of their friends gathered at the docks where the ship had left and where the ship was supposed to return. And the authorities, seeing the massive crowd that had gathered, were unsure how they were going to effectively communicate the information that they were gathering in regards to what the devastation and lives that were lost would actually become. And so they rolled a large chalkboard onto the dock, placed it in front of everyone who had gathered there to see. And they had two columns on the chalkboard. And on one, it said, saved. And the list of names of those who had been gathered out of the frigid water that night and made their way to safety and the other said lost and was the list of names from those who had perished because of that fatal crash L listen it's, we're not talking about the Titanic and it's not 1912 anymore but you understand there's still two columns you get that right I mean there's still two columns saved those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and their eternity with God has been made secure through Him. And lost, those who are still dead in their trespasses and in their sins. This is hard to say goodbye, but it's necessary because God has called me to go. And I believe it is for one primary purpose, because there are more in the lost column that God desires to move to the saved. And so listen, if you're here today and you're not sure which column you're in, 
If you're not sure where you would fall, then you don't have to leave today without having an absolute certainty about that. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, there'll be staff and spouses that are here at the front of the room. We would love to pray with you about this conversation that we've had with you. Others of you, maybe in light of the news that I have shared, you have a desire just to pray for our church or pray for our leadership, pray for Pastor Todd or Pastor Matt. Maybe you want to just cry out to God and ask Him to continue to do the good work that He has obviously begun. But whatever it is, I want to encourage you, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you today, I want to ask you to respond. This summer, starting next weekend, our church is going to launch an evangelism initiative. The, the name of this effort is called Who's Your One? Because we're going to take the entirety of the summer to teach through the scriptures and challenge every single person who calls New Beginnings Baptist Church their home to identify one other person that they would be willing to share their faith with and invite to respond in salvation within the next 12 months. Just, I want you to think about that. If that were Gilmer alone, there would be 700 people that would be given an invitation to respond to Jesus. If it's through New Beginnings Baptist Church, there'll be over 2,000 people that will hear the gospel and be given an opportunity to be saved. I believe that God is going to do a transformational work through this church because I first believe he's going to do the transformational work in this church. And so I'm going to ask you, as we think and pray and prepare to respond, who's your one? What's your motivation? What's the message? What's the mission? You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. So that should determine all of it. It is the joy of my life to get to be your pastor. And I am forever grateful for the way in which you have loved and ministered to me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege to call this church home. Thank you for our leadership and our future. God, I pray with great ex expectation about what it is that we've believe you desire to do so as we enter into this time of invitation and response god we just ask that you would move by the power of your holy spirit in a supernatural way give us a heart for obedience as we faithfully respond we love you and trust you lord and i'm grateful to you for new beginnings we pray all of this in the name that is above every name in jesus name we pray